Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Well, hello. In the room, online, good to see you. Let me start. During this pandemic, I think I may have single-handedly worn out the word unprecedented. Uh, Obviously, if you've been trying to do that as well, thank you for your help. (laughs) That's great, but... Whether or not it'll ever be a useful word again one day, I'm not sure what to do with that term just at the minute. Do I want to say unprecedented times any more? Not really. And yet, where are we? What can we say about these times? Maybe you've scoured the news and trawled the government websites trying to figure out what you can or can't do and how you might be allowed to do it, you know, now and then in a few weeks' time. We certainly are, uh, as a church team, as we ensure we're keeping each other safe uh, during these times. It's a very practical way that we can demonstrate our love for each other and for the church. But right now, I don't really want to speculate on any of that. But as one of the pastors here today, I want to remind you why? Before we discover all the details of the when and then figure out it's changed slightly to something else, or, or figure out the how and, uh, and see if, what we're allowed to do, I'm asking you to think about why. And it's a talk that I am calling True Love. I think it's fair to say that many people, wherever they're at and whatever their experience of these days have been, both the bored and the busy, have found themselves wondering why. Why they did stuff before and and whether or not they will do it again as that becomes possible. You know, is that what I want to do? And I realize that for some of us, that also includes being part of a church as we work out how and when we connect and reconnect uh, in all the different parts of church as we look forward to them resuming in whatever ways they're allowed. Maybe you knew and loved church before this pandemic, and what's possible at the minute is frankly so different from all that you've known and loved that you're thinking, why would I want to do that? Maybe you found us online recently, Uh, And it's been quite helpful and timely for you, but hearing me talk about uh, true love (laughs) and church sounds uh, a bit much. I mean, that's probably going to involve a whole bunch of things like uh, honesty and commitment and understanding, and which leave you wondering, "Mm, why would I want to do that? It's nice, but look, whatever your experience of church or your expectations of being a part of it, I want to share some important words. We're going to read from the Bible in a moment from a letter from a guy called John. He was one of Jesus' followers, part of that first group of 12 that gathered and followed Jesus together. He wrote several letters. The first one, 1 John, is very poetic in its style. And it's a real contrast to some other parts of the New Testament, particularly those several of which were written by a bloke called Paul. He was much more logical and analytical and, and frankly, quite forensic at times in the way that he explains stuff. 
But you know, it's probably quite fitting that John got to write some stuff, muse upon, well, love, with his poetical style, as we get it. Now, in this letter we call One John in the Bible, he tells us three times to love one another. Love one another. To love one another. The first time he says we love one another by walking in the light or in truth. In other words, loving one another is showing what we really believe about Jesus. The next time he says we love one another by self-sacrifice. Showing what you're actually prepared to do uh, because you believe in Jesus. And then there's this time we're going to read right now. Showing who you really are because you're in Jesus and you believe him. So I'm going to read now from the Bible, the book of 1 John, chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Well, there is so much uh, we can savour in this passage, but I think the greatest of it all is this. God is love. Love doesn't define God. Uh, God defines love which means that it's so much more than God loves me and it's more than God is loving. God is love. He's the plumb line, the benchmark, the absolute measure, the original standard of love. Over the years, other people have written, spoken and sung about it. I've heard a few pop stars belt out lines like, I want to know what love is. Which, yeah, I know, I made that sound the most unpop song it possibly could do. Pop star is not quite my bag. But I heard the song. I want to know what love is. Crazy thing is, apparently in that song, they are expecting just one other human being will give them a complete and concise answer of what love is. Hmm. Having read this bit of the Bible... I wonder if you can spot the fundamental flaw in that approach. 
to finding out what love is. We were made by the one who is love for his love. He is how we and who we know what love is. It's him, the original and greatest love. Sometimes when something is an outstanding example, it becomes the byword for it. Uh, you know, like Hoover has become the word for vacuum cleaning, hasn't it? You know, nobody says, I'm just going to take out the electrical vacuum cleaning device now and do the lounge. Or, or Google has become the word for internet search. I'd, I'd Google that, you know. They may not be the final word in these things. One day we might say, I'm going to Siri it or Alexa it or, or whatever else. I don't know. But God is the first word and the final word in love. God is love. We're talking of a different order, a different degree here of understanding of love. Love isn't a hobby. It's not some sort of special interest of God, something he you know, has an occasional pastime pursuing. Love isn't even something God's really, really good at. It's who he is. It's who he was and who he always will be. God is love. Love isn't just something God does sometimes for some people, you know, the popular ones. God is love. Consistently, always, relentlessly, unceasingly, love. God is love. True love knows that God is love. True love loves like God is love. There is so much that can be said about God is love. Although John wasn't actually trying to say everything about it. And you'll be relieved to know, neither am I going to attempt that just this morning. But he knew it underpinned why they loved one another. And we need to hear something of that. I want us to hear that. I want us to think about it with our own questions we might have about connecting with church and connecting with each other. So I want us to notice how God says, or John says that, God loved us. He says this, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but God loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I find that remarkable. Remember, this is John, the Jesus follower, apostle, disciple. He'd, he'd been with Jesus day by day. He had seen and experienced like shed loads of incredible stuff. God is love, walked and talked with him. And he'd, he'd been there and seen it all. He, he'd had those mountaintop experiences with Jesus glorified and radiant and incredible. He'd seen him feed the crowds because he loved them and he saw there were sheep without a shepherd and he'd seen them feed them so generously he personally picked up the bread afterwards. He saw him provide for people. He, he saw him speak to individuals, a rich young ruler who comes to him 
and says, look, I've obeyed all the commandments. What should I do to enter heaven? And he'd seen Jesus look at him and love him. He'd seen him stand at his friend Lazarus' grave. Raging against sickness and death. It stood with him as he wept in love. It seen the children, always the children. He tried to stop them because it was always the children, but he loved them. He'd seen him open the eyes of a blind man. Those eyes open to look at love and look in the face of love. He'd sat there undeservingly as Jesus washed his feet. And he and his friend said, Jesus, we should be doing this for you. And he'd heard Jesus say, no, I've come to do this for you. Because I love you, I've come to serve you. What love. And yet, as much as I would be tempted to recount all of those things, those incredible, unbelievable moments... He saw something else more incredible. He points to Jesus' birth, his death, and his resurrection. I was with him. I saw all of that. But do you know what? If you want to know his love, look at the cross, he's saying. Look at who this man was when he, he lived and died for us. Whatever experience or feeling of God's love you've had, or you might hope to have, John's exp expectation is that nothing will say to you, God is love more than the cross already has. We need to hear that. God's love was made manifest, it says. Meaning, that just means it was made clear and obvious among us. True love is always clear and obvious. True love doesn't stay at a distance. True love moves itself towards its object even when that involves great personal cost and it includes change and, and great humility. Just look at Jesus, true love. True love lives in the thick of things. It lives among us. God's love was before and loved him. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. True love doesn't wait to be loved. True love chooses and delights in its choice. That's what Jesus has done. True love is not needing to be popular or to be accepted or approved of first. True love is prepared to love even when hated, when despised and rejected. Maybe a more truthful song might be, I want to know what love is, but I definitely don't want you to show me, Jesus. Not only did we not love him, but God gave himself in order to make it possible for us to know his love, John tells us. True love is active. It's not static or passive or, or merely reactive. You know, I'll like them if they were a bit nicer to me. True love looks to find a way to be known and received. Excuse me. True love doesn't insist on a response. True love makes a response possible by giving of itself. True love uh, then 
waits to be recognised. It doesn't insist on recognition. All of this had changed John. It had changed him and, have, and given him a very different why. Yeah, this, this letter, you see, was most likely written, I've said, by John, who with his brother was nicknamed <laughs> a son of thunder. Curious kind of name. We aren't told why they got the nickname, but I'm guessing you don't get that nickname by being a generous, you know, generally loving and warm kind of guy. What do you think? But something had changed. Anyway, more importantly, what does this say to me? How does this true love change me? Or, or you, any of us? How do we love others? John says, beloved, if God so loved us, if that's how God loved us, we also ought to love one another. John's instruction for our why is, we love because God love first loved us. Once upon a time, we read about it in the, in the Gospels, John and his brother had a, little, had a little word with Jesus. Went for a chat. Well, well actually, they got their mum to do it, right? Because uh, they wanted to make sure it was done right and nobody messed with it. Basically, they were asking for special status <laughs> as Jesus' followers. Thank you very much. Uh, we love you all, but <laughs> we are a bit different. We're a bit of an exception. I think at that point we can safely say that John and his brother still had stuff to learn about loving others. They did learn it, and when they did, it wasn't make sure you get yourself sorted so that you're in a position to love other people better. Loving others like Jesus isn't about self-improvement, ordering myself. <clears throat> well, if my life was just a bit different, of course I'd be a lot more loving. It's more like living a whole new life of love because of Jesus. Unloving dies because Jesus died. And loving rises, it starts because Jesus rose new life being a christian is about living the truth in a new life stuff stops stuff starts stuff dies stuff rises because he is love he died he rose jesus said i am the way and the truth and the life in particular that truth is that god is love it's always uh, why would I want to do that because God is love in verse 12 John says no one has ever seen God God's love is not about visions or special revelations it's all about truth living in us actually we can't get any closer to God in an experience than we already are with him living in us. No wonder then that it's John in his account of Jesus telling how Jesus' followers are recognized. Remember what Jesus said our hallmark is, 
This is how you will know that you are my disciples. Because, oh, why am I a follower of Jesus? Because I prayed a prayer once. I said sorry once. Or, no, actually, I've prayed quite a lot of prayers, and, and over time I've got quite good at praying prayers out loud that other people are quite impressed by. Um, or maybe you've got lots of clever answers for what Christians believe. Is that how people know? He's definitely a God-botherer. He goes on about it all the time, knows all the stuff. Oh, but he does so much. She does so much to help. Never stops doing good for others. One of those Jesus people. Yeah, all good, but no. By this, they'll know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Yeah, that definitely singles you out, the Bible says, as someone following the God who is love. With this, and of course, the assumption is that that love was distinctive because, yeah, there's a lot of love out there. <laughs> Lots of shades of it, as we've been told in recent years. There's something different in ways that must have been clearly recognisable. It was, if it was the same love as everybody else, after all, uh, how would it possibly have picked out anybody else as a Jesus follower? What's the difference? With this love, unloving dies because Jesus died it stops loving rises it starts because Jesus rose again and it's love that's all about Jesus and his glory all about Jesus and his glory love with Jesus God is love right at the center of it at the heart of it there are many things that are important but nothing more important than our love nothing Knowing the truth, believing the truth, is essential. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm bigging up love here. I hope you're getting that. No, but don't forget, you know, knowing the truth, believing the truth is essential. But the thing is, either we don't know it, or we don't believe the truth when we aren't actually loving one another. Because the truth is God is love. It's not enough to think... I know the truth. If only they did things, it would be easier to love them. No. In the Bible, the other guy, Paul, the logical guy, says that people who talk the truth, uh, who say the right thing and don't love, are, well, they're just making a noise. Neither is doing the right thing enough on its own. I think we all know it's possible to do or say the right thing in a way that is unloving and downright unkind, isn't it? You ever had anyone say that to you? In the Bible, Paul, the logic guy again, says doing the right thing and not doing it out of love is, well, something disgusting. I won't tell you exactly what he says, but it's filthy. Paul has said he was free from all, but for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of love, he made himself a servant of all. It doesn't sound to me like he nearly loved everyone, you know, but he just had a few little gaps in his sort of love gift, and thankfully, Jesus helped him. He completed him. <laughs> I thought the world was good, but now I know God is love. Oh, it's amazing. No, everything changed. Before he knew God, he had it in for several people. He'd got a bit of a mob, and he was heading round town. In fact, he was on his way to one particular town. 
when he met the God of his love and everything changed. God's, Paul's unloving died and his loving rose. And so now, that guy Paul tells us, we are ministers of reconciliation. He wrote a couple of letters to some Christians in Corinth. 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Don't know how they came up with that. Anyway, uh, they're basically all about reconciliation. We're not merely administering justification, sorting out sin and patching up lives, but we not administering justification, we are ministering reconciliation. Why do I say that? Because ministering reconciliation is so much more personal. It's all about love. God is love. He tells us we put on love. We put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other and so on let us never settle for any sort of minimum standard of christianity a why would i do that sort of christianity you know becoming a christian isn't just stopping a couple of really bad things and trying to get to church when i can that's so not the deal loving one another isn't what christians kind of have to do either it's a bit like the needle on a compass which always orients itself towards magnetic north. God is love. And his followers, the people who get his love, who actually believe that, will inevitably orient their lives towards loving one another. As if that's who they really are. Because it's who God really is. So let us ask ourselves... Loving one another. What would true love do? In the world in which we live, what would true love do about racism? What would true love do about violence against women? What would true love do for the people who think church is outdated and full of hypocrites? We've got a lot to do, church, to show the world that God is love. We have a lot to do. I've heard there's someone out there who wants to know what love is. Are we going to show them? Or are we just going to ask, why would I want to do that? True love isn't looking for an easy life with balance and control. True love isn't, looking, isn't just for experts and specialists. True love isn't just for the organized, the efficient, and the doers. True love isn't phased by the overwhelming, the unusual, and the seemingly downright impossible. True love is trusting and obeying. It is prayer-fueled. 
and it is deeply personal. I want us to be a church that loves because God is love. It's who we are and so it can begin wherever we are as John says because God has given us his spirit together here and now. In other words, if you're part of this church, this begins with loving each other so that they all might see that we are followers of God who is love. As, as we anticipate as renewed opportunities to see each other, I want to make you think about who you want to see and why. Who have you missed? Can I, can I dare to say who haven't you missed and why not? Who would true love choose to see? Who would true love choose to spend time with, to listen to, to encourage and to help? Will those you choose to see and how you treat them let anyone know that you're a follower of the God who is love? I need to land this. I didn't really think properly how I was going to do that. There are many ways that we can love each other. I hope I've just given you a proper prod to do, to do your best in the God who is love. We're going to worship in a moment. But before we're going to do that, I want us to hear from a few people in our church that are part of our life groups. They're doing that in groups together in this church, choosing to make the effort to catch up with someone, even when it's awkward and they've fed up with Zoom, uh, to get around somebody else's house when it's a bit inconvenient and it's been a long, hard day, just to inconvenience themselves for life together because we're called to live together, share together, connect together. Maybe be in a group of people, some of whom are not even slightly like them. Some of them, you know, I hate to say this, some of them might even be annoying and stuff. But they're in them and they love them. And I want you to hear them say what they like about their group. I want you to ask yourself, why would I do that? So let's watch the video. Life group is where I'm encouraged and helped to run the race as best I can. Angel's life group is full of the word, full of diversity and full of love. I like my life group because of all the interesting people that come. I really love how my life group members and leaders give me a chance to open up, share my ideas and discuss about them. I also got a lot of help when I was moving to a new house. Thank you so much, guys. Hi, I'm Wendy. I'm in Paul and Liz Wright's small group. And this has been such a blessing during lockdown as we've deepened our friendships and supported each other. I love life group because I get to join in too. One of my favourite things about life groups is the opportunity to encourage one another in hearts and prayers. Uh, mine is that we get to connect with and delve deeper into God's word in the week. My life group is like my family. For me, my life group is an opportunity to pray, study and share with each other. 
For me, my life group is great for support and encouragement and prayer and for love, laughter and learning and crucially for our focus on Jesus. Hi, in my life group, we share and pray, laugh and cry and get a deeper understanding of the Bible and our walk with Jesus. What I love about life group is the sense of family, the support you get when things are a little tough and the celebration you get when things are amazing. I love catching up with people and praying for one another. And I love the fun, the friendship and the support that we all offer to one another. Our life group has helped me develop a deeper relationship with my Heavenly Father and it's such a safe place for me to be vulnerable. I love how my life group encourages me to always feed on God's love and goodness. We've found so many supportive friends in our life group. And we've travelled far and wide in our conversations and our prayers. My favourite thing about life groups is the chance to meet together with friends, study, worship and have a laugh. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.